I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Did I, and you that dropping could, your voice? That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> Checkmark for the hey, day. Checkmark. You know? I got my, you know what? I got, I obtained an ice pack by asking for help. And that is actually a big feat for me to ask for help when injured. So there we go. I did it. I said, the, ow, the, and I received an ice pack. <laughs> the, the most amazing thing is that's like such a big deal. I actually want to be like, that's really, it's, <laughs> we're adulting through life and it's like not easy to ask for help. And that's just like a real thing that I think we don't talk about enough in the world. Like, and it is another thing. Specific to like, you know, lots of people, but also ADHDs. It's not knowing when to ask for help. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and it's it's like I feel like uh and this is like a side tangent, but I I think I, I hold on to that idea that some of us when we're sick are like the lone wolf types, you know, or like the like the animal, like the injured animal that's like like stay away from me. I'm just gonna sit in my cave and like be feel my my flu. <laughs> Fear my cold or whatever's going on. And then some of us are more like, I'm like a cuddly teddy bear. I just, please, would you take care of me and nurture me? Oh, well, thank you for the soup. Like, I don't know. I'm just laughing because that's Bobby and me. I'm the wolf and he's the teddy bear. He gets very like, pit, like he's almost like, oh, please, I, I'm, I'm just here not feeling great. Whereas I'm like, what do you mean? My elbow's hanging at a weird angle. You didn't see anything. Leave. <laughs> exactly. I'll be over here in this corner trying to, <laughs> trying to <laughs> put my arm in a makeshift sling. Oh, that's healthy. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with this. But yes, I guess, yes. The idea of... um. Like, yes, it's it's like it's I guess it's like that idea too, where what happens when you when you can surprise yourself, right? Like I think something I've been thinking a lot about, and I don't know how this relates, maybe you could tell me, which is this idea around habit formation, where you know, like a lot of books like Atomic Habits, we'll put it in the show notes, or like Badass Habits, like also put it in the show notes. You know, like pick a book that's out recently about habit forming. Um, a lot of people are kind of going on and on about how it's it's like the one of the biggest things you need to do is change your identity. Like mm. you need to change how you identify in order to change the habit, right? So like <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. Um and and part of the reason for this is like for example like quitting smoking, let's say, right? That idea that at some point you need to mentally decide you are a former smoker. Right? Like, because if you live thinking I am a smoker, um, then every single time you're just constantly denying yourself, right? 
And that's harder to do than if you go like, well, I'm a former smoker and look at me go. And every time you, you know, don't like give into the urge or you do something else, right? You're like enforcing a positive thing you'd like for yourself, let's say. Not suggesting, you know, putting it out there. Um, Or uh, let's say you're trying to change how you talk to yourself in your mind, right? And if you say to yourself, like, oh, I've always been, I've always been really negative. I'm just grumpy, you know, like I'm mean, I have such a loud inner critic, like versus saying to yourself, hey, I have a, you know, I have lots of aspects of me. I have lots of parts of me. There's parts of me that are very wise and compassionate and are there to like try to befriend my critic. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, it's such a therapist move, but it's that idea of like, you know, kind of how you frame it is also going to be impacting how your habit adjusts. And I've thought about how my identity as someone who I now identify as neurodivergent, right, like has totally changed how I am able to take on and play with new habits. Like my ability to experiment with some of this stuff is like completely different Purely because I identify as like, oh, like I'm a work in progress and I love it. And like, here's, ooh, I'm going to hack my brain a little bit, you know, like versus I'm awful at this. I can't do this. Nothing about this works. There's something wrong with me, right? Like that does not set me up to want to like do much. Does this make sense? I'm kind of everywhere. I'm like, no, no. And I'm not giving you much in terms of facial stuff because I'm like taking it in like in the same kind of way that like a raccoon would take in traveling at light speed. Because <laughs> I think, you know, big eyes, lots of lights. There's a, there's a, there's a part of what you're talking about in terms of identity that is, that really resonates. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, 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 yeah. I can't, I can't breathe. <laughs> oh my God. You like that I just kept going. Yeah. Anyway. That was so great. But that was just you know that story was like the what's that's a good like the like can you tell a whole story in six words or less? You just told a whole story in like six words. You're like raccoon traveling light speed, big eyes, lots of lights. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here, just a couple of neurodivergent people talking about brain stuff. Um, so, so oh, okay. but wait, wait, I got. No, it. I think this is the thing. Like when you're talking about identity and you have to change your identity, I have this knee jerk. Like no one's messing with my identity. Like like this. Like you know, you don't have to do that. But then the reality of this is that's what's happening. This is what self esteem work is about. It's around changing the meaning of your identity. I'm a damaged person that can't do things and I'm a failure. Oh my God. I'm a person that hasn't gotten my needs met, has has not been seen correctly and never given a real accommodation. And now that I do, what can I do? Like mm. it is all of a sudden, instead of having to fix something that's broken, there's exploration. There's yeah. a whole part of an identity to discover. And I think what, what I think we're actively trying to fight, every one of you shiny people out there, you're part of this battle. We're all fighting this battle. Yeah, team shiny. The, yeah, team shiny. <laughs> We have to change the perception of what it looks like to be neurodivergent because we have needs that are not met by the world. Mm -hmm. And so like when you're talking about like you got to shift your identity, I'm like, yes, we have to shift our identity. Like 
It's either I'm never going to pair socks again and just get the same sock because who needs that in my life? Or I'm going to make a game of pairing socks. Like either way you go, it's that identity piece. You can mm. be that person. Mm-hmm. No, no one's got time for laces. Well, I don't. You know? <laughs> no one's got and, time for multiple trips of groceries. Oh, to no. bring to bring them. In. No, no one's. You know. <laughs> at one point, Robin looks at my arm. You know, during the summer, and I had like a band from like the bag beyond, and it's like, oh my god, that almost cut your skin. And I was like, no, that's productivity. Like I was so <laughs> proud of that, Mark. It's like we had all the groceries are on one trip. But yeah, I think that like our identity, like, is the constant thing that needs to be focused on. That we're not deficient, mm-hmm. we're not damaged, mm-hmm. we're different. Yes, yes. Well, and and woof. Oh, that makes so much sense. And you know, you know, the thing that I I wonder about too is like when you're in. So I'm I'm just like my brain is kind of going everywhere. I am now the raccoon traveling at light speed. <laughs> Lots of lights Big and eye. sounds. <laughs> Although, Rip. wait, 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 You'd nope, be, mm-hmm. wouldn't be no sounds, sounds, right? No sound, no sound. It would just be light because sounds not as fast as light. It would be sonic boom, though. It would like catch up with you, maybe. I don't know. I don't know about the light speed. Um, I whoa, wait, right? Wait, wait, now I have this thought like if you're going light speed and I'm screaming and maybe fart a little bit. Do I not hear any of that until I stop and then like all the screaming and the little fart happen at once? <laughs> yeah, like or well cuz cuz the sonic boom, right, is technically it's like the displaced air from moving Behind so the ship. fast. Yeah. And so like don't doesn't sound need cuz the sound is like waves of molecules, right? So if you're in space and there's antimatter and there's not matter and you're going so fast, then like are there waves? Can the sound move through them? But then I you're moving. My, eye, my eyes are open. My hands covering my mouth. I don't know any of the words. Like we start talking about things like space time, and my head melts. I don't understand. Like I had one conversation with someone recently, great person, uh, and they said, "Yeah, no, no, time. It's a construct. It's really just about a measure of uh, distance." What? <laughs> and then I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And that's accurate. It is just a, an approximate measure of distance. Mm-hmm. It's like it's direction, time. right? Time is just direction or something, right? Yeah, like it's like whoop. It's just like point point distance. a finger, and there it is. Like you just there you go. It took us forty five minutes to get there. Yeah, it was just a measure of distance. Oh my gosh! I just got that. It doesn't matter if it's one mile or thirty. You know, it's just. Just a measure of distance, and and it melts my brain. I'm sorry, (laughs) like Jim. No, like shaking my hand. Well, it is just a construct, right? Because like it's just a duration measure. Like we've just decided that that's a way to like divide duration. Arbitrarily too. Arbitrarily. I think like there was a there's a radio lab about this. that's a great show. They that is about, a like, great how... show. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. We'll put it in the show notes, everyone. Ah. Oh, okay. Now, okay. Last last shout out. Um, I'm not gonna remember his name, and this is gonna drive me up the wall. It'll Chad Applebaum? No, but that's a great name. 
I was just trying to throw a name out there, um, you know, just like, is that the name you're thinking of? Oh, oh, Jad, you mean Jad Abramrad? Yeah, I think I said the name wrong. Jad yeah, now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> no, no, and I'm saying it, it with such a thick Chicago accent. Chicago accent, Jad Abramrad. Oh, he's amazing. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, come on. Okay, it's a, he's a man who Brian... It's Brian something. Brian Cox. I got it. Brian Cox. Um, who you can look him up. He has done like, um, you know, like Neil deGrasse Tyson is to space. He kind of is that to like quantum physics sort of. Right. So and he gives these lectures and he does like BBC specials and he like explains things in this really cool way. And of course, Bobby and I for her anniversary <laughs> last year went to go see Brian Cox talk and it was just a real trip and he has like these visuals and he's trying to explain how things bend and move and like what multiverses are and like like sort of the like how would you draw a multiverse and like things that you're just like again it's like it's like that moment where you like understand it and then it and then it flickers away and then it like comes in and out and you're like, I think I get it. And then it's gone. That's kind of how I feel about um, all these topics. And I see you pausing. No, I was looking up Brian Cox while you were, while you were talking. Right. My, well, it was a, like I first found the Scottish actor and, and I thought like, this is who you're talking about. Wow. I didn't know that this dude also did. And then, and then I put in multiverse, and there's like this whole whole thing. thing. Yes, I mean, I'm sure there you could find videos and like really cool stuff online. We'll put some in the show notes. But I say all this to say I don't even I have zero David in this moment. I have no idea what we were talking about. Oh, I got this. Let me wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about (laughs) awesome people podcasts, and then like you named an awesome person, and we're we're here. Um, (laughs) pardon me. Okay, so. One of the things that I've been thinking about lately, and I want to maybe say this, is like, and this is so non sequitur, not what we're talking about. I'm, I'm, yeah. Um, I was thinking about anxiety because I think anxiety is a part of life. We, we are supposed to experience it. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly trying to find new ways to talk about it because I think that it, it's, it's not good to make it a pejorative thing. Like, we're supposed to feel it. Like, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like anxiety stops us from getting answers. Mm. And I feel like fear is what happens when we get answers. And I feel like resiliency is what happens after we get answers. Hmm. It's scary to find things, to try things new, to go somewhere you've never been before, to eat something you've never had before, to try a new habit, to chunk things together, to change your identity, think about your, I'm just going to try to pile, even if we talk about the multiverse and Brian Cox, like these things are difficult things Mm -hmm. and they should create anxiety. I think what I get concerned about in terms of neurodivergence is that like, it's not about running from that anxiety. It's about finding a safe group of people to experience it with. Mm. You don't have to do things alone. Even you and I like talking about like space time. And, and different things, like in this moment, like it's doing it with you that makes it really special. Isabel, it's yeah. doing it with you. Oh, and, likewise, no, no, David. It, right, but this is around like 
this is scary stuff that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like at any point in time, I could say something horribly wrong. Like, don't think I'm not thinking about how I misquoted Gottman and, you know, like talk about complaints when it's criticism. But anyway, like, like we can make mistakes anytime on a podcast and they can last forever. Mm -hmm. There's anxiety in that. Yeah. Right. It well, there, yeah, I like I, yeah, it. no, I so hear that. Yeah. I like don't feel it with you. Yeah. You're an accommodation with that. And I think like when we're thinking about the scary things, when we're thinking about our kids, when we're thinking about our friends or ourselves, it's not that I have to do this thing alone and I can't ask for help. Kind of going back to what we were talking about before. It's who do I need to ask for help? How can I experience this differently? Mm, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I feel like my brain was like, like just kind of catching up to what you're saying um it feels very um what i'm thinking about is how it's that idea i'm stealing from gavin de becker here it's like the gift of fear right it's like fear as a message to designed to quickly mobilize very quickly and urgently make you move <laughs> or make you not move when you might have moved, and then that might have meant the T-Rex ate you, right? Side note, I'm referencing Jurassic Park here or and that franchise. I'm not referencing the actual, like, what is it, Jurassic period or whatever. There were, humans had not evolved yet. I'm just saying. Maybe they were, and the T-Rexes <laughs> ate them all, and we have no evidence of that. <laughs> I'm just saying you could be right in every possible Okay, way. can I just, this is like a very side tangent for everybody following. <laughs> um, but there's this amazing, um, I'll put a link at the show. There's this amazing, um, like a improviser comedian who put this, put this thing up recently where the, where the whole bit is that he's going. At one point, he says, um why why do you never find bigfoot bones it's because other bigfoots eat them <laughs> and i know this is not so funny but like the way he says it is really fun and that's like becomes a recurring joke it just never stops and you're like why are there no bigfoot bones why can they never find bigfoot bones it's because other bigfoot eat them um anyway i say this to say i don't remember yeah, the brain she has done. Oh no, she's back. She's back. Um, fear intended to mobilize, right? Intended to get you to do something or to not do something. It's intended to get your attention, right? Like and make it so singularly your focus to to and you know, your survival, right? So I think of anxiety. I think the reason my brain was tripping on this is I think of anxiety as like and I'll own for myself, like probably connected to trauma, survival and, you know, conditioned, almost like conditioned experiences of things that I learned were not safe that maybe aren't safe, but I perceive as unsafe. Right. So like to me, that's a, that like the distinction when you were like, OK, it's like it's like the unknown. Right. And the thing that I'm hearing you say that I. Like really, I'm like my brain is exploding and melting. Is the the ability to recognize that it is kind of impossible to feel like I'm thinking of like that idea. It's possible to feel fear if you're also curious, right? Like 
the two are like opposite conditions, right? And so even if in the midst of anxiety or in the midst of fear, you can kind of cultivate a little curiosity about the fear or about the anxiety, like, huh, where's this coming from? Like it automatically gives you a little room, right, to work with. And I think oh, about yeah. what it means to co-regulate with somebody, like not just to not be alone, but to like, because when someone's with you, right, and you're like, you're afraid of something, David, or I'm afraid of something, and then you respond to me and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, no problem, or like, no need to be afraid. And I kind of do the same, I hope, sometimes where I'm like, oh, David, it wasn't a big deal. Oh my gosh, we can edit it. Right? Like a piece of what's happening is you're also sort of getting these little like, like blips that can burst through that conditioning that kind of tell you and signal to you like, ooh, in this present moment, actually, though, like you're safe enough, you know, like somebody is here to tell you like, you got this, you know, you're okay. Like, you're good. You're good. (laughs) Kind of thing. It, it, I, I so love what you're saying because it, I think that there's a major, it's like super important to know that you need co-regulation or that it's even an option, that another person could be there with you. I, we're both, we're both like, aside from we specialize with ADHD, like we're both trauma therapists. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to make sure I'm kind of saying that. So like when I'm talking about fear and anxiety, I'm borrowing it from a trauma lens, but I'm not talking about trauma. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is I think of like, anxiety and fear the difference is conception versus perception it's Mm. like is it in the room with you or is it not in the room with you Mm -hmm. and using that lens it's like oh my god i don't want to go talk to that person it's like when you actually talk to that person you're experiencing fear everything you do before you talk to that person is anxiety oh i hear that yes like it's like the anticipation and the like Mm -hmm. the simulations you're running and the like but it's not the actual event itself it's not the actual event. And then you experience that event, it sucks or it doesn't suck, and then you recover from it. That's what I mean by resiliency happens afterwards. Mm. But it's around, it's really around having to experience these things differently and safely. And I think in the context of ADHD, in the context of chunking, mm-hmm. the context of identity, neurodivergence, it's like we can't be afraid of breaking things. Yeah. We, we have to have people around us that will make sure that we know that we're not bad people for breaking. And most importantly, that our intention wasn't to break them. Mm-hmm. Identity stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think a piece of what it is, is it's like, I mean, something that just popped into my head is like, and I wonder, I, I like that idea of like, when you have, when you, like, as, as someone who is neurodivergent, right? Like, I... It is hard for me to not interrupt someone when I'm really excited about what they're saying or talking about, right? Or like it's hard for me to like, they're like the breaks, this is not working when I'm like into it. But then on the flip side, sometimes it's all breaks, right? But I, what I'm trying to say is like it's, it's, it's a, it, it's, what am I trying to say? I think what I'm trying to say is I think I'm just realizing as we're talking that like, that has left me feeling, I think, very vulnerable in the world a lot, actually, right? Like, it's not just that the world is, you know, like, not, you know, neurodivergent friendly. It's also that it feels like 
when you don't have people you know that you can like connect to and ground with and kind of or ground is not the right word but like you know like like get those reality checks with like fellow neurodivergent near peer mentors yes near peer mentors like you don't get the benefit of having your experience also feel like i guess what i'm trying to say is like i'm thinking like okay so imagine that you feel like you're walking around really vulnerable all the time and then all the things that i think i have done it for myself and i know many of us do right to try to like keep that vulnerability locked down and safe right and i think one way is masking right and another way is um well maybe it's all masking technically right <laughs> like we're i i guess what i'm thinking about is how much of like I think it takes a lot of courage to own your anxiety and your fear and your resiliency like to even be able to talk about those things and have a concept of like oh that's that is what is happening to me is a huge first step and I don't know that we give ourselves enough credit for that does that make sense like yes I think the fact that it's because I can't not pay attention to things, I can't not pay attention to my feelings either. And like, I think I think of it as like, oh, I'm so sensitive. I'm so emotional. I'm so little. But like on the flip side, like I am really aware. <laughs> and that's actually not every human out there. Does that make it's, sense? I don't yes, know what I'm trying I, to say. No, hold on. And the, I want to take that. And, and I think like the fear. And the anxiety that goes along with neurodivergence, a world that isn't built for you, the subtle bits of oppression that we all find, it's it's a rough go. And and I think that like when you're able to know that it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. It, like imagine sitting there profusely sweating through like 30 you know, layers and just like feeling really gross and everyone else is not sweating. That's really dysregulating. But if everyone's sweating, you don't feel so weird. Mm-hmm. Right, it's normalized. We don't do a lot to normalize neurodivergence in this country, and at worst, we at times get into pity. And what I mean by pity is, oh, you're neurodivergent, I'll make it easier for you. Like, no, no, oh, like we don't need it to be easier, we just need it to be different. Mm. And, and I think that, like, when we're able to validate the fear and how much things hurt, like, we encounter more failure before breakfast than most people do all week. Like mm-hmm. that's a, it's a fun saying, but like, let's honor the realistic part of that. You actually experience that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like skip that. Like, no, oh. it's like we actually get that much failure before breakfast. And so and it's like all the accompanying hurt and disappointment and pain. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just to be really clear, like the best way that I, I think about like how little we think of learning differently or neuro, neurodivergence. Right. And like this whole podcast is about, ADHD, absolutely, and like love black and dyslexic podcasts, go there for dyslexic stuff, but like let's just think about one thing for a second about dyslexia. We know that people with dyslexia flip letters, numbers, rearrange them, that's harder to read. There are fonts Mm -hmm. that stop people from flipping letters. Yeah. And neurotypical people can read these fonts, no problem. No problem, right? We don't see mass production of books with those fonts. Like, that's a very clear, like, example of, like, how we don't accommodate people. 
it's not that you don't have to read or you need a book on tape. Like if we all had all these books that were just weighted a little differently, mm-hmm. every single person without dyslexia can read that font just fine. We don't put it in every book. We know that some people with ADHD need breaks. Some people don't. We don't plan a life where you get to make that choice. You have to take a break or you don't get breaks. Like there's a lot about this world that isn't built for us. So when you travel through this world at great speed, because Ferrari brain, bicycle brakes, we're going to travel with great speed. Like it gets hot. Mm-hmm. And so like when we can go into mm, habits, rituals, chunking, outsourcing things into reflexes, not having to think about things, decision fatigue, having your outfits planned, like whatever you do to make it easier for you. Even if it's a litter box and a garbage, you take the wins. Mm-hmm. Take especially, the wins. Especially if you get all the groceries in on one trip. Take yes. The Ice pack is a win. <laughs> it is a win. But wait, oddly, that makes a lot of sense. I failed 13 times before I went to the store, but I'm taking all this stuff inside at once. Yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, I did bang my body up profusely because I was very distracted by other stimulus. Um, but I knew enough to stop and pause and ask for help when I needed it. Hey, that's a win. I'll take it. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.